0: welcome welcome to Murderversary. this is our Hello. hi this is our first official episode yes um, yeah, exciting I'm, things i'm very excited it's been a while since i've discussed true crime with anyone and who better to do it with than uh me why am I staring into your eyes right now? <laughs> I, don't know. I definitely, so
1: when you said it's been, I, I immediately thought, Bare Naked Ladies, it's been one week since I looked at me. I don't,
0: don't know it why it, my the mind the always goes every... <laughs> I don't know why
1: my mind always goes there. I can't, I can't leave it. I can't <laughs> escape it. Yeah. yeah, welcome. This is welcome. the anniversary Podcast.
0: Where we discuss murders in their month of murder
1: try to at least we get real close to
0: it try to real close we got within a six week time frame i'd say of a six month to six week time six months years 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 of a time frame
1: somewhere in a 12 month time frame of the (laughs) merdiversary
0: but yeah um my name is agatha and i'm danny and i will be bringing to you a an interesting story this week about a mr mike Williams. We will be talking. Haven't heard this one. You haven't. Wonderful. No, I haven't. Wonderful. Yes. We're going to be talking about his life, his murder, and then what what came from that. Great. So hopefully I'm not it'll... great. Not mm.
1: terrible. Mm. Terrible. Keep going. Awful.
0: Uh, yes. But yeah, we'll be discussing about Mike Williams. What happened in his case? A conclusion of it all. And hopefully we will all be able to take something away from this and understand a little bit more about his life and what happened to him. All right. Cool. Let's get into it. I'm down. Let's go. Warning. This episode may contain discussions that are not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Real
1: quick. Yes. Did you hear that they identified the boy in the box? No. They fucking positively identified the boy in the box. When? Like four or five days ago. Do you follow I've... True Crime Society on Instagram?
0: I don't. But I have like notifications okay. from so much stuff that come to my phone of like true crime. They like so they're always be they just
1: repost all of the shit that people give them. And so they si- they seem to like be a really good like one stop shop for all the things that are happening now. Yeah. And boy of the box, <clears throat> like literally two days ago, I think. Oh,
0: that's crazy. Okay, I have to look into that after this. Jerry Michael Williams was born on October 16th, 1969, and grew up in Bradford, Florida. He likes to go by Mike. His father was a Greyhound bus driver, and his mother a daycare worker. He and his older brother grew up with their parents in a double-wide trailer, and they both had to get jobs very early to help pay the bills at home. His mother, however, did save as much money as she could, in order to send them to North Florida Christian School, which is a private Christian school in Tallahassee, Florida. So basically, uh, even into high school, the boys still had to work jobs and kind of paid their mother back for the money that she saved for them to go to this private school because she wanted them to have a good education. Okay, Mike did really well in school. He was a standout athlete. He was student council president, and he was even voted best personality When Mike was 15, he started dating cheerleader Denise Merrill. Former classmates said that Mike was very well respected and everyone liked him because he was a very genuine soul. They said if he thought anyone was picking on you, he would stick up for you. Basically, all -hmm. of the interviews that they did with classmates, they all said the same thing that he was just, he would put his neck out for anyone who was treated poorly.
1: It was Um, just like so wholesome.
0: Yeah. And he was absolutely loved for it. Okay. Mike's best friend was Brian Winchester. He was a member of the Key Club and was also dating Kathy Aldrich, who was another cheerleader on the cheerleading team. The four of them were inseparable. After high school, they all continued on to Florida State University. Mike majored in political science and urban planning and began working at the Ketchum Appraisal Group as a property appraiser. I read this in a few places that he got offered the job before he even graduated college. So he was kind of well on his way to having a good life for himself before he even had his diploma. Mike and Denise, the high school sweethearts, finally got married in 1994, and they started their picture-perfect life together. Mike's mom loved Denise. She thought that the couple got along so well and that they were the perfect match. And following that same timeline, Brian Winchester and Kathy Aldrich also got married in 1994, and those two couples continued doing everything together. Cute. So yeah. So they would I mean, they would go out to bars, they would go out to movies, they would go out to dinner, and it was kind of like the the inseparable uh four people life. there. People, yeah, basically. Yeah,
1: people want that kind of stuff all the time, yeah, for sure. I want
0: it. Yeah. Um <laughs> soon after <laughs> they got married, Mike purchased a home for the family in a very upscale neighborhood. Mike was doing so well that Denise was even able to stay home and not have to work, which is the life. She oh, was yeah. able to lead a luxurious life, all thanks to Mike's hard work. He was making around $200,000 uh, annually, which and that was 1990, 1994. So in today's equivalent, that would be a little bit over $400,000. Damn. Yeah, so they were pretty well off. Okay, yeah, get it. And I mean, for I mean, me graduating college, I think I was still making like $30,000 a year. Yeah. So for... I mean, up, up until recently, <laughs> I was
1: basically around the poverty line.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for someone to be making 400,000, like right out of college is, is pretty good.
1: It's like monopoly money at that point. You don't know what to do with that
0: exactly so yeah, yeah so great <laughs> denise was like running around she could get her hair done whenever she wanted she could get her nails done he basically like catered to her every need he would come home and bring her lunch yeah. he would drive to her just to fill her car with gas
1: oh so, yeah
0: <laughs> so he kind of he waited on her hand and foot basically
1: did, uh did pretty he, much do we know if we do we know if he liked his job at all or was it just like he loved um, the grind?
0: He did, he did like his job and he worked really hard. Okay. Uh, his boss described him as one of the hardest workers that he's ever come across. Very so cool. he definitely put his all into it. But even while putting in his all, he never disregarded his wife. So he never yeah. ignored that part of it. In 1999, Mike and Denise welcomed into the world their daughter, Ansley. Mike was so excited for the start of his new family... He also couldn't be happier that his best friend Brian and his wife Kathy welcomed their first child that same year. Oh my God, stop! Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> like carbon copies of each other. Built-in built best friends, right there. Exactly. And the couples were still going out together, still drinking. It was said somewhere that uh, Brian had mentioned they were basically acting like they should have acted in high school, except they're mm-hmm. just they were doing it a lot later. So they were it's doing like the having... adult version.
1: Yeah, it's like having roommates without having to share space with them. That's that's the life right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they Brian and Kathy welcomed a baby boy. So they really I mean they really had like very similar lives and lifestyles and they were doing everything together. Mm-hmm. Eventually Mike started getting a feeling that something wasn't right. And this was probably it was a little bit after they were married, but he just didn't feel like everything was right. He wanted some kind of change. He wasn't happy anymore. He didn't know if he wanted okay. a change with his job. He didn't know if he wanted to move to a new town. Um, and mm-hmm. he had even talked with uh, Denise about possibly having a new baby to try and, I would say, spice things up or, or just kind of bring that bring that change in that, that he's really kind of like yearning for. Denise. Throw,
1: throw a wrench in the system.
0: Yeah. Denise didn't want anything. Denise okay. wanted what she had and that was it and no change. This was
1: bef- this was before they had the baby. Like he was feeling this unrest.
0: It was kind of it was kind of throughout and then a little more after. It, it definitely got stronger after. Sure. Mike and Brian used to go out hunting together all the time. They both liked to hunt. They were hobby hunters. And there was one time they were in Brian's truck together. And I think It was said they spent about 20 hours in the track together. I don't exactly remember what this was for, but they spent about 20 hours in the track together. Over this time, Mike divulged to Brian the things that were going on in his head and what he thought about his relationship with his wife. He told him that he thought his wife could be cheating on him. He thought that that was a possibility. He told him that Denise wouldn't touch him. Denise wouldn't sleep with him and she was being very distant he thought that she could be using drugs because she was making very random cash withdrawals from atms and he didn't definite red flag and he didn't know where the money was going so he thought that drugs could be playing a part into all of it Mm -hmm. but even with that the marriage continued On December 16th, 2000, the morning of Mike and Denise's sixth wedding anniversary, Mike left his home early in the morning to go duck hunting with his boat in tow at Lake Seminole. Eventually, Denise began to get worried when Mike didn't return home. He would never leave home and stay out without so much as a call to inform his wife of what was going on and what he was doing. Mike was very much looking forward to the time that he was going to have a way celebrating his anniversary with Denise. They were supposed to be leaving for a weekend getaway that evening. With Denise worrying, she contacted her father and her father proceeded to contact the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission to try and figure out what was going on since they believed that Mike could be missing. It's called the FWC and they... Before the police come to something, they kind of like patrol the waters. So if there's ever like a search and rescue thing that happens, the FWC goes out and they're the ones that take a hold of it before. So Denise's dad called them and they arrived to the lake within 10 to 15 minutes of the call. So very fast. Mm -hmm. I believe the weather was pretty awful that day and Mm -hmm. they couldn't get any sort of air search happening to look over the lake So instead, they went on foot into the woods to go check for Mike, who they found absolutely zero signs of. Eventually, people started to catch wind of what was going on, and Mike's friends and family came to join in the search. That evening, the helicopter was able to go out. So once weather cleared up, the helicopter was able to go out, and they, too, returned with absolutely nothing so there was just no sign of mike his mom started to think maybe he went to like a different hunting site or something and didn't go where he said he was going to go but there was no sign of mike at lake seminole people close to mike were starting to worry that something was very wrong just you know disappeared um, he disappeared, he, kind disappeared. Of a he did a little <laughs> bit of a problem Eventually, while searching through the night, Mike's best friend, Brian, and his dad spotted a boat in the water. They were easily able to identify the boat as Mike's since all of his belongings and hunting gear were still located inside. The only thing that seemed out of place was Mike not being there. Hmm. Sus. Sus. A little sus. Mike's vehicle was found a little over 200 feet away. Everything seemed fine there, too. The one thing that couldn't be found on the boat or in the car was Mike's waiters. And he would use mm-hmm. basically the waiters anytime he would need to go into the water when hunting. Say you shot a duck and it fell in the water and you would need to go in. You put the waiters on. You go in the water so that your clothes don't get wet. It keeps you from the cold. It keeps you from being wet. Right. And those were the only things that were missing. Officers believe that there was a chance water Could have gotten into the waders if he had fallen off the boat, which would have made him essentially sink to the bottom of the lake. So because the waders weren't in the boat, they thought that he probably had them on. And that he may have fallen over the boat, gotten the water in his waders and just sunk to the bottom of the lake somewhere.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. Not one piece of evidence as to what happened to Mike was found. And people working the case started to believe that he most likely drowned while he had gotten into the water somewhere at the lake. And at this point, they were searching for a body. So it was very quickly stated that they thought he had drowned because there was... With with no evidence. With no evidence. But it was the lack of evidence that made them think that because there was no signs of any sort of struggle or anything on the boat with his car. So it didn't look like foul play. It looked like someone just up and vanished Mm -hmm. yeah there were some rumors that went on mike's faking his own death to get away but eventually people really didn't believe that because he was so devoted to his family and with the plans that he had coming up it would be very odd for him to just drive to the lake and disappear the greyhound the closest greyhound to him at that time was 24 miles away yeah no way yeah so it's It could happen, but it was very, very slim chance that that was what was going on.
1: That's some serious planning.
0: Yeah. It's not just to leave at 5 in the morning on the morning of your anniversary, kind of.
1: Yeah, and and to leave right before you have plans to be out of town with someone where they would immediately notice that you're not there. Mm -hmm. It's not really that logical to make the plans to disappear yourself right before someone's expecting you to show up.
0: Yeah, and he... He did go on a lot of business trips, so his Mm -hmm. work took him all over the place. So you would think that if someone was going to disappear, you would have more of a chance to do it when someone and your wife and other people knew that you were going to be away for two, three, four days, and you'd actually be able to get somewhere in the meantime. Right. On December 27th, 2000, Mike's hat was found stuck against some grass at the lake. So this was 11 days after he was reported missing. His hat was found stuck in some grass at the lake. Unfortunately, that was the only thing that was found. They sent more of a search party out there to look for things. They looked in the water. They looked all around. The only thing that was there was his hat stuck on the grass. A private investigation team was hired by Mike's mother, Cheryl, and even their search efforts came up with absolutely nothing. So no one was finding anything. Cheryl didn't trust that the police were doing everything that they could that there was something else going on but even those private investigators found nothing that's bonkers yeah i mean you would think you would think there would be something you would think there would be something
1: i feel like even if a pi is hired and they don't find concrete evidence they at least come back with some sort of theory
0: well there were definitely speaking of theories that are coming up on one mike was eaten by alligators
1: oh but you'd probably find us waiters. I doubt the alligators would eat the waiters.
0: And that's kind of where, yeah, that's kind of where the issues came in with things, is that even with getting eaten by alligators, there's usually some, like, bits and bobs or something that shows up. Yeah, Blood. um
1: I anything. Yeah. D- yeah,
0: and I do know there was a... And I learned this from a case, it was at Disney World, where there was like a two-year-old who went into the waters and ends up getting taken by the alligators. I learned that alligators will actually grab someone and drag them underwater and get them stuck and then like save them for later. So, oh. so it is a possibility that he could have been. Wow,
1: that is terrifying.
0: It is awful. It is absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, but they'll drag you under the water to drown you and then save you for dinner.
1: I'm not laughing because I think that's funny. I'm laughing because I'm actually, that made me a little uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) Thinking about that. (laughs) When I go and visit Florida, the water is definitely not the first place I put my feet. So
1: It's it's so funny. Uh, Way back in, I want to say 2007,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, we took my niece to Florida and she looked really nervous on the plane as we were approaching Florida and she... We kind of asked her, you know, like, what's going on? Why are you so nervous? And she said, I'm just, I'm so afraid of getting eaten by the alligators. Oh, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, sweetheart, we won't go near that. But I get it. I get your fear.
0: I used to love alligators, too. They used to have the little ones at, like, Gator City and stuff. You could, like, hold them up, the little tiny ones, and they'd be like. (laughs) But, Yeah. yeah, no. Not a big fan. Not a huge fan. But, yeah, that private investigation team that Cheryl had brought up nothing. And the response to it was mike may have been eaten by alligators okay 19 days later so 19 days after mike went missing denise filed a claim with the life insurance company and mike had three policies that were out on him ultimately amassing up to like 1.7 million dollars so very large life insurance policies so Denise okay. filed a claim, but she would have to wait until Mike was declared legally dead before she could see any of it. But since he was still missing, right. she couldn't get any of the money, but she still filed only 19 days after.
1: So this is typically a red flag in cases when people immediately file life insurance claims on their deceased or otherwise missing spouses. hmm what do you think is an appropriate amount of time to wait to file a life insurance claim because if you are in the situation where you are not the primary breadwinner and probably don't have a job and need some sort of income coming in what's the what's the time frame of not looking suspect after your person dies I mean obviously waiting for a yeah. declared dead would probably be a good be a good start
0: I don't know if there really is one because I think it's very situational and I know eventually police kind of thought about that. And for Denise, he was the primary breadwinner. And she had a young child. And mm-hmm. she basically hadn't worked in how long? You know, and he was kind of taking right. care of everything. And all of a sudden that income stops, and you have house payments, and you have uh, cars, and you have food, and you have all of this. So,
1: and that within a matter of less than three weeks.
0: Probably not, but I don't know how long it takes to get insurance money. Yeah. So if you file a claim, it could take a while. Very I good think
1: point. And we don't I, know the finances. We don't Exactly, know
0: exactly. I know that when my father passed away, my mom filed like all the stuff for life insurance. And this wasn't there wasn't any investigation going on with my father. It was just very natural passing. But I believe it took about a month and a half for my mom to see any of the money from his life insurance policies and that was just because of the insurance yeah the tape. insurance and the amount of time that it took for her to she filed it and she filed it pretty soon after um mm-hmm. and it was just however long it took for them to process it so i mean i guess okay. you never no, I mean, but-
1: having having never been in that situation, I don't know if I would wait in three days, three months, three years, whatever. But I feel like oftentimes when people go missing like this and there's a life insurance policy cashed in on, it's usually a little bit of a an issue.
0: But yeah, I do know, as I've seen on The Real Housewives, that when you lose a financial source and you are used to a certain lifestyle, sometimes you panic so who knows what's going on yeah who knows who knows what's going on one important thing to note is that in all instances of drowning that happened at lake seminole all of the bodies were eventually found except for mike's i said this already but uh they began to think he faked his own death basically because of that it's sounding more probable at this point yeah mike's mother truly believed that mike was not at the lake Even with the lack of evidence, she wondered if something more sinister may have happened to her son. Cheryl promised that she would bring Mike home. Eventually, a fisherman who was boating on the lake found a pair of waders that were identified as Mike's. After authorities came out and they put on their scuba gear, went under where the waders were found, and they ended up finding a jacket and a flashlight. And on Mike's waders, there was like a belt around that had shotgun shells. So they found a bit of Mike's clothing. The only Mm -hmm. thing, again, that was missing was Mike. They put out another search and found nothing, just those items. So, so far, they have his hat, they have waiters, they have a belt, they have a jacket, and they have a flashlight. But no Mike and no sign of Mike at all whatsoever.
1: Very interesting.
0: The other thing that they found very out of place was that Mike's clothing was in pristine condition. This was very odd because at that time they had the theory that Mike was eaten by alligators. Mm -hmm. So, unless, yeah, unless alligators just kind of like peeled down the waiters, you know, took them off the shoulders, was like, sir, let me take your jacket and like hung it up in their little alligator home. Kindly remove your flashlight, please. <laughs> exactly. Sir, the table is I don't here. Enjoy you. <laughs> the, I don't enjoy the flavor of flashlight. You can rest your belongings. <laughs> um. So unless these alligators were super careful, it didn't seem like things were fitting together. There was not one tooth mark in anything. They did mm-hmm. forensically analyze all of the stuff that they found in the lake and they didn't find one drop of blood. There was nothing to show that there had been any attacks from alligators. And if you've seen any nature shows, anything on alligators, you know, they are not the most gentle creatures when it comes to eating anything. And there would have been some sort of maybe flesh or blood, something stuck in, at least stuck in the waiter's. Like maybe yes. the jacket I could understand. But again, they didn't take it off him. They didn't. Yeah. You know,
1: in fact, so, the, the word I would use to describe how
0: alligators eat is violent. Very violent very bad not my thing (laughs) so the flashlight right worked oh so when they pulled the flashlight out of the jacket pocket the flashlight still worked
1: and how long is this is this after roughly that he disappeared Longer than longer than 19 days, obviously. It is longer than
0: the 19 days. underwater. Yes, yeah.
1: So, so they're trying to theorize that this flashlight obviously wasn't underwater for 19 days because it still works.
0: I mean, it worked. It worked. It sparked some questions because that seemed like such an odd thing to happen. But at the same time, I've seen videos of those people who use the magnets and throw them over. And pull up cell phones that still work that have been underwater. So I guess anything is possible. Mm -hmm. But people definitely questioned why the heck would a flashlight work when it's been submerged for so long in these pristine clothes? It just seems a little bit suspicious. It does. Yes. Four weeks later, a judge legally declared Mike Williams dead, which means cha-ching. We can uh, get that Mm -hmm. money. Even without a body, the death was written as an accidental drowning, which is really weird from because because what I've heard and this may not be an exact. To the date kind of thing, but I believe it takes several years for someone usually to be cleared dead when they don't find a body from something like a a drowning or something like that. You want to look it up?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. In Florida, it's different. I know it's different state to state.
1: In Florida, a person who's absent from the place of his or her last known domicile for a continuous period of five years. Five years. And whose absence is not satisfactorily explained after diligent search and inquiry is presumed to be dead. So there's some leeway there with that verbiage, of course. But it seems like five years is kind of the bar.
0: Mike was declared officially dead well under that time frame. Oh, yeah. Which is weird to hear because things are getting more suspicious because Mm -hmm. you have something that basically throws that alligator theory right out the window by finding all of his stuff in such pristine condition
1: or his drowning theory for that matter. If you're finding his clothes all removed off of his body and yet no body. I mean, the waiters are theoretically the thing that weighed him down. Yeah. So if he's not wearing the waiters and it's just his body, he would, in theory, float to the top of the water. Mm -hmm. That hasn't happened.
0: And again, him being the only person that hasn't been found, that drowned in that exact lake. The lake is also known to have a lot of uh, stumps and weeds at the bottom, too. So it is prime alligator hiding area, as well as get your feet stuck area. So at this point, who knows? There's so much stuff kind of going on that doesn't make sense at all even without a body, the death was written as an accidental drowning. Mike's mom decided that she was going to dig into the case further. Her conclusion was that Mike's belongings were in all the wrong places. So Mike's mom did her own deep dive down to finding out weather patterns, finding out everything about this lake and the wind and the temperature and came to the conclusion that Everything was just wrong. Mike's boat was found on the east side of the lake, and it should have been found on the west side of the lake, if that's exactly where he was and what he was doing. Mike's car was parked in an area that he didn't usually drop his boat off at the lake. It was also an area where he would have to drag his boat through mud to get it in the lake, which is just inconvenient.
1: Sounds impossible.
0: It's doable, but it's inconvenient. She also found out by speaking with certain professionals that the water temperature at the time would have put any alligators into hibernation. Mm. Wow, so, she really
1: went for it. That's great.
0: Yes, the water had dropped temperature had dropped significantly in recent days during Mike's alleged drowning. And alligators would have to survive, uh forced themselves into hibernation and disregarded food because they can survive for months without a food source so yeah she's kind of debunking all of this stuff going on and at the time police didn't really have the resources to continue a 24 7 search over months and months and months for uh for mike in 2004 the disappearance of mike williams was reopened thanks to his mother Officers now believe that there were many things that seemed out of place. Now. Now they (laughs) believe it. So the case was listed as a suspicious missing person. And. Accidental drowning is different than suspicious missing person. Mostly due to the fact that. Suspicious missing person goes into a criminal offense. Basically. Mm -hmm. Um. Not a criminal offense. It turns it into a criminal investigation because it's suspicious. Right. Uh, Denise was pissed. Denise was very upset that the case was being reopened. With this came the questioning of those who were close to Mike. Denise being one of the first. She said nothing but good things about her husband, as did anyone else the officers spoke to. So no one had a bad word about him. Basically, wouldn't hurt a fly. Had no enemies. Just this is just an unfortunate thing that happened. Throughout the time of all of this and Mike's mom fighting for the case to stay reopened and be reopened, Denise continuously got more frustrated with her, even to the point of saying, I'm never going to let you see your granddaughter again if you keep this oh. open. Oh. Cheryl decided to spend the time that she would have spent with her granddaughter searching for her son since... Denise wasn't letting her see her granddaughter.
1: Or looking for him either.
0: Yeah, or Denise wasn't doing anything at this point. Mike's mom started to become concerned with the behavior of Denise. In the years following Mike's disappearance, she wanted absolutely nothing to do with it ever. So this didn't just continue from when it reopened in 2004. It just kept going. And she wanted to move on with her life. And in doing that, she ended up getting remarried. Her new husband.
1: Huh. Oh, no. Is Eh? it is it is it the friend?
0: It's Brian Winchester. Oh, no. Yeah. So she got married to Mike's BFF since ninth grade. So I'm assuming
1: him and his wife just got divorced or did she disappear?
0: (laughs) Him and his wife did get divorced. I don't know as much of what was going on in their marriage. I know it wasn't good and they weren't happy and they'd been having problems for quite some time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mike's belongings from the boat were eventually given back to mike's family by denise so they were returned to denise from the boat eventually years later she gave them back to the family mike's brother was going through all of the belongings and noticed that there was a pistol that was missing that was very important to him their father had passed away fairly recently to this and it was something that their father had given to mike so Nick wanted to go and get it to keep it because it was it was really important. It was an heirloom from their father. Yeah. Reasonable. Couldn't find it. Asked Denise about it. Denise said, I don't know what happened. I lost it. Uh, apparently, she also claimed it on an insurance claim that it was missing or something of the mm. sort.
1: So she did know. She did that it know. It was not there.
0: She did know. Mm. But she didn't know. But she did know. But she didn't know. Yeah. So she claimed that it was missing. in 2008 police began to look at denise so mike had three different insurance policies the largest one was the one that was taken out more recently which was one for one million dollars it was taken out within the year prior to his disappearance and who sold him the insurance policy
1: huh? oh no his his best friend
0: brian winchester oh no yup and let's remember who's denise married to now That same dude. Brian Winchester. It's true. Uh, Brian was questioned and denied playing any part in Mike's disappearance. So they knew something was fishy. Officials knew something was fishy. They didn't exactly know what was fishy, but it was fishy. And they were going to look more into it. And as time went on, Brian and Denise started to not get along. They started to fight all the time. Denise moved out. Denise wanted a divorce. And on August 5th, 2016 denise was getting into her car on her way to work and someone got up from the back seat of her car and shoved a gun into her ribs and who was it oh god it was brian winchester (laughs) it was yep same guy oh God! so essentially brian kidnapped denise He was hiding in the backseat of her car, wearing all black, popped up when she was about to call her sister on the phone and put a gun to her ribs and basically told her to drive. Denise didn't go.
1: Are they still married at this point?
0: They are still married. So So, Denise is trying to file for divorce, but they are still married. Yeah. Okay. Brian tells Denise where to drive, but she doesn't drive the correct way. Instead, with her... Quick thinking. She pulls up to a pharmacy that she knew had security cameras so that whatever was going on could be caught on camera. So good thinking to her. Mm hmm. Brian was in a tizzy. He was talking about how he wanted to commit suicide. And Denise at one point asked him, are you going to kill me? And he said, no, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, All this stuff. Denise continued to talk to him and eventually he calmed down. Denise brought him back to the car and asked if he would like to spend the night at her place and just kind of calm down she was worried that maybe he would kind of go off again since he'd calmed down she thought that he had changed from what he was doing previously and kind of you know gotten himself back in order
1: no longer wanted to kidnap her
0: yeah no longer wanted to kidnap her or kill himself for that matter so he's like yeah let me get some things first So he opens the trunk of his car and he pulls out a tarp. He pulls out bleach. He basically pulls out everything that you would need to hide a body.
1: Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Denise is like, "Ah, fuck that. Great. Um, Denise waits till Brian's out of view and she drives right to the police station the sheriff's station she's like i was kidnapped by my husband this is what happened
1: he was definitely going to kill me he
0: was definitely going to kill me yeah Mm -hmm. they kind of thought the whole ordeal seemed suspicious because they knew that denise was a part of the case with mike and the disappearance of mike and now all of a sudden she's being being kidnapped by mike's best friend her husband and they just think that something is very weird about the whole thing they figure since they already had denise there they might as well try and get some answers they tried to figure out if brian was somehow still involved they questioned and questioned and questioned denise and each time she would try and change the subject like why are you talking to me about mike when i was just kidnapped by brian right and they're like we know brian came home and you talk to Brian and he told you never to tell and all this. They basically tried to convince her to out him and what was going on with Mike and the disappearance. She just kept dodging it. She kept bringing it right back around to, I was kidnapped. Stop asking me about this. Yeah. Which at the same time, fair point, you were kidnapped. Sure. Uh, Brian, I'd
1: I'd be pretty concerned about that as well.
0: I I would be concerned about being kidnapped. I almost just got murdered.
1: I'd like to talk about that, please.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I came here for safety, not about (laughs) this disappearance from so long ago. Yes,
1: I understand that's also important, but
0: at our end is I just almost
1: got kidnapped.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Hear me out. I almost died. Thanks. Brian was arrested, but was ultimately given a deal. If he would tell the truth about what happened to Mike Williams, they would be able to give him immunity in the case involving Mike. And possibly even drop the charges for kidnapping Denise. Wow. So they're basically offering him a free pass.
1: So what if he's the one who killed him, though? Like, hey, tell us the truth. We'll just let you go on everything. You're good. Get out a jail free card right here. Want it?
0: I get the feeling that they they knew there was more involved with Mm -hmm. it. I mean, you think about it and you put it all together. The way Denise acted and the insurance policies and all of that. At this point it had been years. It wasn't just him. Yeah. And I think they just wanted the truth at that point and maybe it would backfire and it would just be him. And that's that. But
1: I guess that'd be still further than they were now.
0: It is what it is. And they could still, they basically made it so that they would, uh, ended up making it so they could reduce the sentence. They didn't end up dropping it completely, but they could reduce the sentence against kidnapping. So he still got time no matter what, basically. Okay. But after they told him that, everything just, ugh, just like word vomit. Brian started telling the truth. Brian told police okay. that, yeah, Brian told police that one time when the two married couples were out drinking and partying, he and Denise caught each other's eye. They started oh, flirting, God. which led to long nope. late night phone calls, which eventually nope. led to a full blown affair. So, Rude. While Mike was still alive, I believe three years before he ended up dying, they were having an affair. So it was a very three long time. Three years? Three years.
1: I don't know why that's so baffling to me, but that's
0: baffling. Yeah, their affair started... Three years. Affair started in 1997. So it was before the baby was born. It was after they got married.
1: Like two years after they got married.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, so it had been... That is quite some time wow okay mike would go away to his business conferences that we talked about before and take denise with him and while he was in his meetings brian would show up and him and denise would be intimate and he would wine and dine denise and go to the beach all while brian was working hard for his family gross between religion and judgment denise told brian that she didn't want to get a divorce from mike she was very concerned at the way people viewed her and their family. So she refused to get a divorce.
1: I don't know what you, I mean, lady. It's, it, it's a, an affair. Either you're going to be an adulterer or a divorcee. I mean, pick your poison at
0: this point. If it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. No matter what people I don't know, people are going to think worse are now than they, than they would if you would have gotten <laughs> a divorce.
1: Yeah, I don't know what your end goal here was, but it didn't work out for you.
0: Brian admitted that he got Mike to get a large life insurance policy so that him and Denise could eventually live happily ever after. Yeah, Yeah. He admitted to planning the murder of Mike with Denise knowing all about it. The night before Brian went out to take care of Mike, he got his wife, Kathy, as drunk as possible at a concert so that she would sleep through the morning and he could sneak out. Initially, Kathy gave an alibi for Brian. But it turns out that she oh. was passed out, drunk in the bed. But she mm-hmm. wasn't lying when you know when to she woke up, he she was, was there. there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Brian left to go hunting with Mike on the morning of December sixteenth, two thousand. Eventually, Brian got on the boat with Mike. The boat set out. He shot Mike, dragged Mike back to his car, and sent the boat back into the water, just to go on its merry way. So Mike was now in the back of Brian's car. And the boat was on its way and Brian drove home. With the body? With the body in the back. Parked it in his driveway and then got into bed with his wife. Oh. Oh, Lord. So the reason Brian had his alibi is because his wife woke up to him in bed with her. With Mike's body outside in the car. Oh. Brian decided that he needed to take care of the body. So he kept the body Uh, in his car. Yeah, he kept the body in his car (laughs) and drove to Walmart to get his supplies while he left the body in his car in the parking lot. Which, when I heard that, and this could just be the way that I think, I was automatically like, how many Walmarts have I gone to where there's been bodies in cars? Oh, yeah. Like, how many things do we pass? Like, how many people do we pass? I always think that driving, too. Like, what if I was that person that saw someone's hand, like, through a... The brake light, or something like I—I I don't know why I think like that, but I think like what. So you never know what's going on around you, and then you always hear these mm-hmm. stories. And how many people must have passed by that car?
1: Listen, every time I see someone sleeping in a car, I wait for a second and make sure they're breathing. It's just—it's just the way we think.
0: And then they wake up and see you staring at them, and all of a sudden and you're then, the creep.
1: Yeah, you're the weirdo, and you go, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I was making sure you're still alive." <laughs> proceed Um,
0: but yeah so we went to walmart and then bought the supplies to essentially drive a few miles away from his house and bury mike in a shallow grave
1: i wonder if that walmart employee saw him buying tarps and bleach and thought "Mm, normal
0: it's walmart (laughs) what is the normalcy of walmart
1: (laughs) yeah i feel like you could have the most random card ever and it would still make sense
0: walmart's so. like when i when i was in high school and had to buy a pregnancy test like walmart was where i went because i knew people don't judge you at walmart but i wouldn't go to like oh. cbs down the street but walmart you can get anything there and people will be like oh cool do you want doritos with that <laughs> <laughs> you want to slice a cake with that oh gee you, you sure you got everything you need don't worry just check we, yourself out i'll just i'll just stand got, here
1: we got cool bean bags too so right here in the market <laughs>
0: Both Brian and Denise swore to never speak a word of what happened. They both soon became extremely paranoid, which naturally, naturally makes sense to me. They thought that their phones were being used for surveillance. That their phones were being tapped and they would even pat each other down for wires before they would talk to each other. What a
1: healthy relationship.
0: It's beautiful. It blossomed into something. Yeah, so they they were just over-the-top paranoid and that
1: sounds exhausting
0: it explains why their relationship became so tumultuous why brian would even go into the car and think about killing denise because of being afraid that she's going to go and say something absolutely brian got 20 years in prison for kidnapping denise and it so happens that this went down the day before mike's body was found it turns out Denise wanted Mike gone so that she would be guaranteed full custody of their daughter. That was the reason mm. full custody. Brian testified against her. That they planned together to stage his death and that Brian would shoot Mike for Denise. On May 8th, 2018, Denise Williams was arrested at Florida state university as she left for work to celebrate Her daughter's then 19th birthday. Wow. Denise was tried and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, an accessory after the fact, and was sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years.
1: Their poor daughter.
0: Back to this money, back to this insurance policy, the money ended up going to their daughter. So at least their daughter was financially... I mean, you can never... take away emotional trauma but at least financially she was able to take care of herself under the condition that she spend no money supporting her mother or any endeavors that her mother made to make appeals that was the only restriction that she had on the money but you think she was a baby when this happened and by the time her mom got arrested she was 19 years old
1: and i'm sure she lived her entire life believing her mom
0: exactly her person and it's it's documented in a lot of places with divorced families that parents will sometimes pit children against other parents. And when you have, you know, Mike's dead, he can't speak for himself. So you never know what
1: Who she painted. mom is
0: saying. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it goes towards her relationship with Brian. And you never know what she said about Brian, because that was obviously unhealthy with all that paranoia after... A murder, you know. Yeah. But yeah. So that is that is the case of Mike Williams, who essentially got murdered by his best friend and his wife. Because she wanted custody. Because she wanted custody.
1: Well, she's an idiot. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. So is the best friend.
0: Yeah. Um
1: it was so rooting for them at the beginning too. It sounded sounded perfect.
0: It actually ended up they got uh, some more information from Denise kind of incriminating herself. Kathy, Brian's ex-wife, agreed to be an informant for the police and wore a wire and went and Mm -hmm. had a conversation where she was able to get some information from Denise that ultimately kind of sealed her fate and her involvement with everything besides just having Brian's testimony. They had that as well. So Kathy was all about it. She was all about that. And Mike's mom never gave up through the entire thing. Never gave up. And if it weren't for her, yeah, if it weren't for her, the case might not have even been reopened. Yeah. So thankfully it was. And thankfully they were able to find out what happened to Mike. And he was able to be put to rest. and, And the truth is known now. Rest in peace, Mike. Rest in peace, Mike. I imagine as a
1: police officer with cases like this, it's so frustrating and exhausting because you, I mean, you have good intentions, I, I would assume, and you want these things to be solved. And there's just no evidence. There's no reason to believe any of it. And if they have an alibi that the person who provided an alibi believes it to be true, I mean, man, that's, that's so hard to work through. Good for the mom for never giving up.
0: And I think with police, too, I mean, police have families to go home to. You know, it's... Yeah you the mental drain that it takes on a case like this where it takes years and years to figure something out that stuff weighs on people i think people sometimes forget that police are human too they're not these almighty sources that solve crimes you know kind of
1: like doctors it's like we we go mm-hmm. when we're growing up i don't know about you but i always thought like oh doctors had all the answers you, know, you see you see gray's anatomy and like they they run every test known to man to figure out what's wrong with you but the reality of it is they have like the tip of the iceberg knowledge on the human body and the the myriad of conditions that we can all face as we go through life.
0: My doctor once Googled my symptoms in the same room as me. So,
1: Oh, I've had that happen several times. (laughs) Yeah, Like, Oh, okay. We have this in common. I'm dying from cancer. I hope you know that I already researched myself. I did
0: did Google this before you (laughs) did. And let me tell you.
1: That third link right there. Click Mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Scroll down. Yep. Right there. That's Mm -hmm. where it's at.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, and and people have trust in, when you're an authoritative figure like that, people just ultimately have trust in you from the beginning. I, I'm a person who trusts police officers, but you never
1: know. I trust, you know, I trust no one. I think being a fan of true crime for as long as I've been, I trust no one now. I love the resurgence of Um, a lot of the cold cases that have been coming back to life so to speak with you know internet sleuths and all that kind of stuff I think that there's you know definitely two sides of that coin of internet sleuths where people need to pump the brakes a little bit but also these things are being solved which is just remarkable Mm -hmm. and I love that there is a community for that now
0: when I think it crosses the line with the internet sleuths or armchair detectives or whatever you want to end up calling them it's When you cross the line where you cause interference, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just bringing awareness and help,
1: Mm -hmm. and I
0: think that's such a very fine line. And when it does get crossed, it puts a kink in that kind of beautiful thing that's happened, like where people have helped families with these cold cases. I mean, you've seen them on YouTube. You've seen cases be solved on TikTok now. Yeah. And through social media.
1: It's so hard to dial back once, you know, uh, someone's been charged with something. And I think where it gets kind of out of hand is when these cases are so skewed by media presence, by okay. people exploding theories online and spreading information. And it's really hard to let the judicial system take over at that point, because I think a lot of people have a lack of trust in that and also just are so involved and so invested so it just becomes kind of this little frenzy of things that happen. So it's it's great on the one hand that these things are happening and people are so brilliant with their research and attention to detail. But then they, you know, they get crazy at the same time. So it's, it's hard to navigate all of that.
0: Yeah, definitely when so it I, boils over into the harassment aspect of it. Because yes. police can't always do something an hour after they hear something sometimes things Mm -hmm. do take time and if it's taking too long some people try and take into their own hands spreading things that may or may not be true and again that's that's something that blurs the line with yeah with those sort of cases which which has seen some unfortunate unfortunate things
1: yeah i mean people have actually actually legitimately gotten hurt from that like the uh i think it was the boston bomber that that guy that got accused by it and was had nothing to do with it there's that People were so convinced so sad
0: the the sandy hook shooting also the there was that i forget what his name was there was the one guy on youtube or something who tried to convince that it was a whole government thing and ended up bringing years and years of torment to these families and eventually recently the families won a lawsuit um Mm -hmm. in suing him just because of this false information that was spread
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about that. And as much as I enjoy conspiracy theories and, you know, listening to them and entertaining them to that extent. I mean, sometimes you just got like the facts, man.
0: Yep. True crime. We need the facts. Yes. But yeah, I want to uh, thank you for talking about this this week with me. And also thanks to everyone who came through and listened. I hope. Appreciate you always. Yeah. Hope you had an awesome time and enjoyed our our in-depth deep dive into this case. And I hope you continue to come back because we will be, uh, you know, we'll be doing more. So see you then. See you then. Bye.